Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Last week we shared on two kinds of wisdom. We had a big thing up here and it was awesome. And um, we, we basically shared on wisdom and um, I don't know if you have the picture ready maybe there, Teresa. There's, there's a picture that says, no wisdom equals no Jesus. So N-O wisdom, N-O Jesus. Okay? And then the other one we said we can't end off on that is no Jesus, K-N-O-W Jesus, means then you know wisdom. So there's really two kinds of wisdom. And I, wanna, I wanted to just sort of double down on that message today. It was like, we can share a revelation, but we need to... to James says it clearly. He says, if you don't do the word, it's not going to profit you. So today we're looking at the application of this truth. So last week, and again, we're going to build on that, is, is what is the two kinds of wisdom? That there are two kinds. And the question is, which, which kind did Solomon operate in? That's a good question, because was Solomon successful? Well, depends. What is your measure of success? You see, and it's the same for us in the world. What is our measure of success? Because your definition of success will determine the direction of your life. That's worth writing down. Your definition of success will determine the direction of your life. Because inherently, we want to get up in the morning and we want to be successful. We want to have purpose. We want to have a good day, don't we? So what makes a good day a good day? When you get a promotion, when you get an increase, when you have a nice lunch. Well, that's not bad, but is that success? And that's the question we need to ask ourselves. And, and really, we, we want to, to, to help you to apply, again, the message. To take it out, to take it somewhere, to share it with someone. And uh, this morning, in our pre-service meeting with the Dream Team, it was so awesome. Like, I was just standing back and listening. Because I'm sure there's many more testimonies. I could see more people wanting to share stuff on... This is what I shared, or this is what I got on Sunday, and this is how I applied it, or this is who I shared it with, or this person got saved, or this person heard the gospel, or this person... And I was like standing there, I'm like, this is good, I like this. You see, it's not for me to talk. That's not success. The problem with every church, though, is there's only one pulpit. But therefore, Paul writes, and he says, your lives should become the epistles. Your lives are the letters. We do ministry um, not as a place somewhere. We need to really do as-you-go ministry. You know, pay as you go, minister as you go. Because that's where the life happens. That's where people are hurt. It's the people you're going to meet tomorrow. People you're going to meet this afternoon. Now, ministry is not for Sundays. On Sundays, I'm equipping. Sundays are for equipping, not for ministry. Now you're thinking, this guy's crazy. No. Ephesians 4.12. To equip you so that you do the work of the ministry. And then I love to go with, by the way. Because <laughs> I like to, to be in on it. Because I know it's true when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And obviously that's, that, that includes money. And we need to give. We need to give generously. And we need to give into the offerings. Because if we believe in the message, if we believe in the ministry, we want to put fuel in that tank, don't we? The more fuels in the tank, the further we can go. I think these last few months we've all realized that. You can't go everywhere because fuel is expensive. But whatever we put into the ministry, that helps this message, this vehicle, go places. Um, but what is more important even is to give of yourself. Because sometimes it's easier to give money than to give of your time. To give of yourself. Now, it's not saying we give of ourselves so we don't give of our money. No, the word says finances is the least use of your faith. So it's the starting place. But if you're going to give some of your money, you'll see that your heart is going to be where, your treasure is, where you've sent your treasure. And all of a sudden, you're going to respond differently to the announcements we make here on a Sunday morning. When we're going to say, come with us on this outreach, or join this mission, or let's go to Albania. If you think you ask for someone else, I'm asking you, are you giving financially? Because if you're giving financially, you're going to listen different. When you buy shares in Sasol, you're going to read the news and you're going to see Sasol. Okay. Whatever company, Steinhoff, let's not go there. Where your treasure is, there you have interest. And then that is what influences you. That's where your focus is. So, again, why do we give? We give because we, we've got. We don't give to get. We give because God gave. 
And that's really, all the songs this morning were so anointed for me because it was all about God. It wasn't about us. It was about how He sees us, how He loves us, how His goodness affects us. Because when we share these messages, like on two kinds of wisdom, uh, some of us might feel, but God wants to keep me from having fun. Or God wants to take something from me. And that's the, the, the humanistic side of us. Or I have to give up so much just to serve God. Just stick with us, because that's not the case. It's as soon as you give up something, you have an open hand to receive. And that's what God wants. He wants you to lead you, to guide you. Psalm 23 says it beautifully, to still waters and green pastures. But you know what? We don't want to go there. That's why the psalmist says, He makes me. He makes me. Why? Because I know better. I know where the good food is and where the success lies and how to get there. God says, really? You know, two-year-old says what? Excel self. And as Christians, I, I believe it's time we grow up past the two-year-old stage. We're really called to grow up, to mature. If you read the rest of Ephesians 4, it speaks about growing up, maturing, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what is your potential? Your potential is to live like Jesus. Again, that's worth writing down. Your potential, not my potential, yes, mine too, but yours is to live like Jesus. Otherwise, Jesus was lying when He said, you can do what I did in greater works. It's for all of us. Just think about all of us living selflessly. Philippians says in Philippians 2, consider others as more important than yourself. We think live like Jesus, and we think raise Lazarus from the dead, and heal the leper, and, and multiply bread, and all those things. Yes, maybe. But what about forgiving the person who just nailed you to a cross? What about forgiving the person who put a, a, a crown of thorns, like pressed it right deep into your skull? What about loving people? What about giving of yourself? What about laying down your life? And it's all more blessed, because Jesus, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. So sorry if you're a visitor, this is a bit of a grow-up message. Because God wants you to live to the fullness of the potential that is placed in you. That is availed to you. He didn't put Christ in you just so you can survive. No, Colossians 1.27 says Christ in you is what? It's the hope of glory. It's a positive expectation of glory. What glory? God's kind of glory. You see in the sports world, they say a week is, is very long in, in, in sport. You can be on top of the world. You beat the All Blacks in Nelspreet. Woo! We're going to win the World Cup. Next week we lose. Let's fire the coach. So is that everlasting glory? No. You're only as good as your last game. But with God, you're as good as Christ. Because Christ is in you. And He's not going anywhere. Amen? It's important truths this that we know and that we build our lives thereon. So we're looking on this the search for wisdom. Again, it's nothing new. We speak about ancient wisdom Wise men from the East, Pythagoras, Socrates, Confucius. There's a lot of books that people write, philosophers of old. Uh, you can follow on Instagram or wherever, and you can look at, at, at wisdom and philosophy. People have been searching for, and we said last week, seduced by, and that's very important. Wisdom is seductive. Wisdom is seductive, and it's been since the beginning of time. Because Genesis 3 and verse 6, we go right back to the... Um, the tale of two trees. And it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and listen to this, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. That was like a cup of, a bucket of cold water over my head when I read that. Because inherently wisdom, we don't think of it as evil. Who here thinks that wisdom is demonic? Yeah, you haven't read your Bibles, have you? I told you to do your homework, James 3. It depends on what kind of wisdom. Now, wisdom here in Genesis 3 speaks about intelligence. It speaks about knowledge. Because if you think about it, there were two trees. And the one was the tree of knowledge. If you wonder why apple is apple, apple products... I use Apple products. It's lovely. I was given Apple products. People gave me stuff like that. It is based on knowledge. 
So it's intelligence, it's technology, it's, that is the sense of it. And that's why the Apple has a bite out of it, because you, you can do your research, that's the story behind it. Is Apple a Christian company? Most certainly not. Does it matter? It doesn't, because they, they make technology. Okay? What they influence you with, through some of their services and their apps and their television station, that shows you it's dangerous if you go into that. But just like money, money is amoral. Technology is amoral. It's what you do with that technology that makes a difference. So for all of us, we need to be careful because we, we're really already in a technology age. We're living in a, in a metaverse, in a, in a, in a, in a sub-reality, if you will, and we need to be very careful of how we align our focus in that space. Because the wisdom of this world says, let's everyone join each other in the metaverse somewhere in a cloud. But then, how much did Jesus say, touch people, reach out to people, love your neighbor? And all of that we need to, to integrate and we need to live in that space while navigating the wisdom of this world because that's the system which we live in. Okay, I wasn't planning on going into this direction, but I feel God's just saying, listen guys, just you need to be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. So we need to know what we're in for, but we don't need to focus on that. We need to focus on our oneness with Christ. Now, we look at this, this tree, and it's desired to make one wise. She took the fruit thereof, she did eat, and gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So it was desirable to have more knowledge. Okay, James 1. James 1. Interesting, James is a bit of a difficult book if you come from a grace lens, a grace perspective, but it's really categorized as a book of wisdom. Some people categorize it with Proverbs, Job, James. It's, it's, it's Ecclesiastes. It's the books of wisdom. So in verse 13 it says, When you are tempted, don't ever say, God is tempting me. For God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and He is never the source of temptation. Okay, that's a big statement. And that should challenge some of us. I remember when this really challenged me. Excuse me. Now, what is temptation? Because we just looked at Eve, looking at this tree, desirable to make one wise. Good to the touch, good to the eyes. I mean, I said last week, she was literally standing there, I believe, drooling. She wasn't eating it, but she was drooling. She was like, I want to so bad. Now listen to verse 14. Instead, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil and lure them away into darkness. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. He might see devil. Is it? See what it worth saying. Eve was already drooling. When the snake showed up. She was already drawn away. She was already tempted. She was already enticed. Why? By her own desires. Nice to the eyes. Nice to the touch. Desirable to look at. Desirable to make one wise. What are the three pillars of sin, if you will? The three types of sin. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All three found in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Lust of the eyes, desirable to look at. Lust of the flesh, I'm drooling, pride of life, wisdom and knowledge. She committed all three sins right there. And it wasn't because of the snake. It was because of her own desires. And then she was enticed. He just pushed her over the line, if you will. He just helped her get there. Verse 15, evil desires give birth to evil actions. So was she thinking about the fruit before she ate it? Of course she was. You just confess that. And when sin is fully mature, it can murder you. It brings forth death. Again, all the way back to Genesis. If you eat of this tree, you will die. There we have it. Confirmed in James. So, my friends, don't be fooled by your own desires. Verse 16. Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. And that's really the heart of the message today. Is, is It comes from love. It comes from, this is a warning maybe, this is an um, enlightenment, if you will, 
Because I want you to not be deceived. I don't want you to be fooled. I don't want you to be pulled away by your own desires. And then walk off. Like even um, Paul writes at the end of his life. And he writes to, to Timothy and he writes to others. And he says, everyone has deserted me. Why? Because they fell in love with the world. I mean, doesn't mean they're going to hell. Just might mean they get to heaven quicker. Everyone has fallen in love with this world. So we're living in this world, but we're not of this world, are we? So what is true wisdom? It's not on that tree. It's on another tree. It's on the tree of life. Proverbs 11.30 The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. What is Proverbs? It's the book of wisdom. So what is the true kind of wisdom? Well, there you have it. Proverbs 11 verse 30. Winning souls is wisdom. It says in another place, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the awe of God. It's the magnificence. We said last week, it's when you feel small compared to God and you stand like, wow, God is big. God is huge. God is awesome. I love that feeling. I love to feel small in God's presence because then I know I've got a big God. Amen. I want to know I've got a big God. Like he's, he's, my pa is greater than your pa. Nah? That's what John wrote in 1 John 4. He says, he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. But you see, we need to get past the blindness of success, worldly success, to really tap into the fruitfulness of Christ in us. So today we're looking at how we operate in this. So 1 Corinthians 1, again we said last week, this is like a, a Porsche Cayenne. This is like that car you've always dreamed of. A Porsche Cayenne is a big Porsche SUV. It's like, I don't know how, it's more than a million rand, definitely. And maybe you've never looked at one. Maybe you've never dreamed of one, and now someone says, I want to give you one. Do you want it? You've got a week to decide. So what you're going to do as you go around, you're going to, you're going to see it everywhere. You're going to see there's quite a few of these, and you're going to decide what you want to make with this. So once you've looked at wisdom, you'll see it's everywhere you'll see that there's many, many of these uh, verses in the Bible. So 1 Corinthians 1.17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words. Whew. So what is Paul's mission? Let's ask another question. Do you think Paul operated in his calling? Hands, please. My hands up. Okay, what was his calling? To preach the gospel of Christ. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words. Not sounding fancy. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. The problem is if we use too fancy words, we put the focus on us. And we draw it off of the cross. Where we need to put the focus on Christ on the cross. And guess what? The cross is no longer there. It's empty, by the way. So that's the message. It's not just that he was crucified, but that he is no longer dead. Amen? He's been raised. He's been, he's been regenerated, if you will. And then that is the message. It says, otherwise the cross of Christ would be made of no effect. For the preaching of the cross, what is the message? The preaching of the cross. We don't need anything else. But why do people add to it? And he answers it to us. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness. To those who are perishing. This is such a commentary on reality, isn't it? But we need more, Peter. Surely there has to be more. You can't teach on Christ again next week and the cross. And when are we getting into the good stuff? Listen, <laughs> we're in the best stuff. We're in Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's nothing more. That's why Hebrews 6 says, If this is not enough for you, then I don't have anything else to give. And that's really the, that, that's the essence of the message. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. So what do they do? They color it in. They, they add fluff and wings and balloons and, 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 and niceties. And they preach to what? Itchy ears. And they preach what? Things of this world. They, they move away from the simplicity that is Christ. Yes, God is your Father and He wants the bride for you, but that's not your primary message. Paul says, whether I have a lot or a little, I'm content with what I have. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 13.5, Stop loving money. Be content with what you have, 
Because what you have is amazing. What you have is the presence of Christ. What you have will never leave you nor forsake you. Money will grow wings and fly away, the word says, but Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. Again, we need money. Of course we need money. This ministry needs your money. But we're not going to preach just on giving every Sunday. We're going to preach on Christ. Amen? And if it stirs you up and you see the vision, I'm sure you're going to give into this mission and this vision because you will see that it's the power of God unto salvation according to Romans 1 and verse 16. It is all we need. Amen? And like Paul says, it's all we have. For the preaching of the cross is foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Who's saved in here? I'm saved. How did I get saved? The preaching of the gospel. Amen? The message of the cross. And I was like in tears, and I was like, when I was down and out, this God, this God, this amazing God, this magnificent God, this almighty God, the one who created heaven and earth and the universe that's apparently still growing, this God sent His Son to do what? To give me a few clopper. No, to die for me, to love on me, to reach into the darkness, the pit of hell, and to pull me out of the kingdom of darkness. And He's literally translated me into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And now what? I'm not just in the kingdom, but now the kingdom is in me. How can you want more? How? There's nothing more. It is eternity that is spoken of in our hearts in Ecclesiastes. And God is the answer. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. A very simple example, one I'm thinking of now is, is, this is based on knowledge. So, a few years ago, people said, eat margarine. Don't eat butter. No? You have this little heart on the margarine stuff, rama, stalk, whatever. Now people say, can you think that you eat this chemical potion that looks like plastic, that is flavored with something and bleached and everything, and now you think it's healthy? I don't know whether you eat butter or... Or, or, or margarine. We have a verse that says you'll eat any deadly thing and it will not harm you, so you're okay. But do you see the world's problem? Do you see the world's problem? Because knowledge is always changing. It's increasing. Because they are they're putting hypotheses out there. It's theories. It's not truth. How do I eat? Me and Natasha. How do we try? As close as it can be to what God made. That's a good... Until they figure out something better, that's what I'm going for. Okay? It's difficult. It's not always easy. We don't always keep to it. But sort of that's where we aim. But the, 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 the gospel is unchangeable. But knowledge and wisdom of this earth always changes. Where's Mix It today? Or your Blackberry? I have a few shares in one-time airlines. One time and never again, they said. No. You see, the wisdom of this world, it's, it's failing. It's, it, it, we trust in it, but it's uncertain. But we shouldn't. We have something true. Verse 18 in the Passion Translation says, To preach the message of the cross... Seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. But to us who are on our way to salvation, it is the mighty power of God released within us. I love that take on it where it's in us. It's the hope of glory. For it is written, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise and I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. Now this is a prophecy again that Paul reaches into in from Isaiah 29, 14. It says, therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people. A marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. So that's from Isaiah 29, 14, which is just coming true, and now it's still true today. Like the wisdom of the wise, the wisdom of this age, it's, it's fading, it's, it's, it's perishing. 1 Corinthians 18, there, Paul links into that. So true wisdom comes from above, and is given by divine revelation to those who are teachable and humble before God. God gives grace to the humble. But knowledge puffs up. You see how the two are opposing. I'm not saying don't go for knowledge. I'm just saying don't worship it. 
It's good to have education, but don't let education have you. It's good to have money, but don't let money have you. It's so important that we're on the right side of the spectrum. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world, the debaters? Have God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. The wisest people in the world currently today do not believe in God. So who's the fool? Who's the fool? That's the question. The disputers, the scholars, the wise, they knew not God. They're so clever they've forgotten about God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What do we preach? We preach the gospel. Now, I say this pops up everywhere, so let's go to Romans 1. Romans 1 and verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So what is He referring to? He's referring to Genesis. He says, since the creation of this world. Even His eternal power and Godhead. So He's speaking about eternity. So that they are what? Without an excuse. Sorry, Eve. No one preached the gospel to you, but you're without an excuse. Because it's evident. It's all around you. Because although they knew God, did He walk with them in the cool of the day? Did God speak to them? So they knew God. But what did they not do? They did not glorify Him as God. Because she said, if you, what did the devil say? If you eat of this, you will be as God's. When I saw Romans 1 in light of what we shared last week, I was amazed. They did not glorify as God. They wanted to be God. They wanted to be in control. That's what it's about. They wanted to, to take the reins and steer their life. And Why? Because God, net no, net no, God is keeping something away from us. That's the mindset. And that's why I'm, if, if, if my, my message stirs in you today that God's not trying to keep anything from you, instead He's trying to get everything to you. Just like He did for Eve. Why was she not standing at the tree of life? It was there. Free for the picking, free for the taking. Why not? Because in her heart, she was deceived that God was keeping something good from her. See, and then we, we, we need to not fall into the same trap. They knew God, but they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. They were unthankful. They had everything. They had paradise. They had all the trees. They had the tree of life. But they were unthankful because of one tree, God said, do not eat of that tree. Now God is withholding from me. Don't sleep around before you get married. No, He wants you to enjoy the most fine. Pay your taxes. Yeah. Well, God just wants you to sleep at night. <laughs> Be above board. Why? Because then you never have to worry about anything in your life. You see, God's always trying to get peace to you, not as this world gives, but as He gives. My peace I leave to you. My peace, not as the world gives. The same comes with His wisdom. My wisdom. Listen to this, verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They became stupid. That's what He says very nicely. There. He doesn't say like I say it. They became stupid. They became clever, but cleverly stupid. They were so clever that they became stupid. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image and made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So they stopped worshipping God as God. And what they first worship is themselves. That's what it says. Because why? They were as gods. So by eating, they actually worship themselves. And then somewhere, man realizes, I can't be God, because you know your, your shortcomings and your sins, and, 
and now you need to reflect that somewhere. So what do they do? They make a, a calf or a beast or a... I can't remember if I shared it here. If you go to Wall Street, I think I did. No, it wasn't. It was on the camp. If you go to Wall Street in New York, what is Wall Street? It's the financial sector. It's the epitome of success, if you will, of the Western world. Seems to be. There's a certain statue there. Who knows what I'm talking about? What is there? It's a bull. What color is he? It's goldish, copperish kind of color. Huh? So Moses go up, goes up on a mountain. Joshua goes halfway up. Aaron stays behind. This is in Genesis, Exodus. So what happens there? Moses takes too long. So they take what? Knowledge of how long he should have taken, and he's taken longer. So we don't know what's happening. So we're not going to trust God. So we're going to do what? We're going to make an idol. So he collects what? Gold. Gold, which they never had, by the way, because they were slaves. They get gold from the Egyptians just before they leave, or as they leave, basically. They don't know what to do with it. And guess what? In the desert, you can't buy anything. So, so, so you want so much gold or money. In the Second World War, people changed diamonds and rubies for chocolate. Because chocolate was worth more because you can eat it in the concentration camp where a diamond is it's, it's nothing. So it's all dependent value on perception. So what comes out? Abraham, Aaron says, it just came out. I didn't make it. just came out. What was it? A golden calf. Interesting. So thousands of years later, we've constructed the financial system in our wisdom, by the way. And the banking industry, the, 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 the high temple of mammon is somewhere there. No? We have them here as well. And what is worshipped? It's in plain daylight. It's a golden calf. Again, it was one of those cold water moments like, maybe we're not as clever as we think we are. Maybe we're not as civilized. Maybe we're not as far removed in our world today. Maybe the Bible is true when it says there's nothing new under the sun. And maybe, just maybe, it's time to wake up to what is happening all around us and see, hey, it's happened before and it didn't work out so well. 2008, massive financial crisis. Why? People were too clever. And now you look back and you're like, how foolish can you be? Well, they were very clever in, before the crash. Now they're very foolish afterwards. So they were actually foolish all the way. So what I'm saying again this morning is, do not be distracted. There's another statue, if you've been there. I've been there in Wall Street. And there's a little girl. And she stands very parmantach in front of this bull. And I don't really know what the meaning of that is, but you can see that the bull is, is unsettled. And I think maybe if we want to pull an analogy or something from that story, is if we are true sons and daughters of God, then we can confront this world system. So which side do you focus on? The bull or the child? Very few people speak about the little girl in Wall Street. It's the same scene. Now I wish I had a picture for you. Maybe I'll give you one next week. Which side are you on? Are you going to fight it out and be successful? Or are you going to be a child of God? Which side of the wisdom spectrum do we want to live they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. This, you see, is nothing new. No? 1 Corinthians 1.22 For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Jews there you can see as religion and Greeks as worldliness. So the worldly system versus the religious system. To both, 
to the religious system, it's a stumbling block. Why? Because I want to do it. Not Christ did it. I want to do it. I want to, make, I want to do my part. God did His best. What I do my best, God does the rest. It's not in the Bible. Paul says, from when I'm weak, then I'm strong in Christ. So neither the world system nor the religious system likes this Jesus thing. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So what is Christ? He's the wisdom of God and He's the power of God. Two things the world is after. Wisdom and power. See, whenever there's something good in the, wor- in the Word, there's a, there's, a, um, there's a fake in the world. You have love, now you have lust. You have wisdom, godly wisdom, now there's intelligence and knowledge. You have power, authority in God, now there's a sense of pride, manipulation, hierarchy. So there's always these two, these two counters. There's a few more, but let's not go there. Now, just Christ, but the plan of salvation through Christ. So, what, what I wanted to share here is, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. But it's not just that when you touch Jesus, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The whole plan of Jesus, the whole plan of salvation, God coming up with this idea to send Jesus, Jesus comes, Jesus dies, Jesus is risen, all of that is the wisdom of God. When God saw that man cannot save themselves, God said, I'll make a plan. It's in Isaiah 57, I believe, when God says that there's no one coming to save them, He says, I will myself reach out with my right hand of salvation. I will make a plan for you. So it's let God. And then we, by faith, tap into His world His plan, His power, His wisdom. So Christ, yes, is now the wisdom. I've now got the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God inside of me. But the fact that I have Christ is because of the wisdom of God. If I can say it like that. Yes, the gospel is the power of God. What? Unto salvation, Romans 1.16. But it's always been the power of God. The fact that I now have access to it means I partake of that power. What is the gospel? It's the whole thing. Is Christ promised, Christ came, Christ died, Christ risen, Christ resurrected, Christ ascended, Holy Spirit poured out. That's the gospel. That's the power of God. So when I align to that story, I align to His power. Does that make sense? So it's not just I have Jesus, I have power. No, you need to preach the gospel to operate, to use that power that you have. What is wisdom? You have the mind of Christ, yes, but the mind of Christ is always looking, who can I save? Who can I love? Who can I share the gospel with? Yes, you can make business decisions as well, but that's not the primary reason why you have the mind of Christ. The primary reason for you to have the mind of Christ is so that you can be moved by compassion, so that you can get into ministry, so that you can overflow. What is ministry? It's overflow. It's not a position. It's not a title. You don't need to put it on LinkedIn. You don't need a new business card. You just need to love on people. That is the mind of Christ. Who can I love? Who can I share the gospel with? Who can I touch? Who can I heal? Yes, let's see them healed so that we have an open door to preach the gospel. Amen? You see, that's the mind of Christ. He came to seek and to save the lost. So he got up in the morning. Who am I going to seek and save? Oh yeah, I need money. It will come. He wasn't looking to be hustling. Selah. There's no thing wrong with hustling. There was great testimonies this morning of how people have taken this message from last week and applied it to their lives, to their businesses, to their decisions. And it was all, hey, I'm not going to give up my time because my time is valuable, either to spend with my family or to be on mission. And voila, it worked out. There was A and B, God brought C. When? When you stand your ground. When you've done all things, stand. Stand. Seek first the kingdom of God. Go for the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of this world. Because God often has better plans than we do. 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to save. Verse 30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, whom of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. For it is not from a man that we draw our life, but from God. This is verse 30 from the Passion Translation. As we are being joined to Jesus. I don't like that because we are joined to Him. It's not a being thing. The Anointed One. And now He is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, our redemption. So you can see there's two different kinds of wisdom. There's intelligence and knowledge. And then there is salvation. There's Jesus. And then there's the world. And in Jesus, we are still in the world, but we operate from that operating system. Now let's wrap this up with James 3. James 3 from verse 13. Really the, the subtitle today is, How do you know that you're truly wise? If we've made evident the two sides of wisdom then a good question would be, which side am I operating on? And how do I know? How can I be sure? So James 3.13 says, If you consider yourself to be wise, and one who understands the ways of God, advertise it with a beautiful, fruitful life, guided by wisdom's gentleness. Okay, How much of the world is ruthlessness? Where God's wisdom is gentleness. Never brag or boast about what you've done, and you'll prove that you are truly wise. Wise. What does he say? He'll prove that you are saved. That's what he's saying, actually. Because what I said last week is, I said last week, I'm going to give you the end of today's message. And what I said is, true wisdom is love. God's kind of wisdom is agape. It's to operate in love, to consider others as more important than yourselves. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. That's why the plan of God, the wisdom of God, which is Christ, is because of love. So how do you know whether you're operating in true wisdom? Are you operating in love? Makes it simple for me, because consider others as more important than yourself. That's love. Is it stupid to throw a tantrum at work? Yes, it is. So, the fruit of the Spirit is love, patience, kindness, endurance, long-suffering. Long-suffering. You want to get a promotion. This is for someone. You want to get a promotion. I know people. They come to a new job. Say, where's the director? Who's going to mentor me? How am I going to come up in this business? How am I going to get a director? You know what the answer is? Stay long enough, do your job. Long-suffering. Yeah, but there's no position for me to go to. No, not until that person resigns. So you just be there till he resigns, then there's a position. But it doesn't make sense because we need to move quickly. I need to update LinkedIn. I need to, I need to hustle. I need to... Well, long-suffering will get you a promotion. When I worked for ShopRite for five years, I asked a very stupid question. I said, God, how long am I going to be here? God answered me. Asking you will receive. So he answered me. The question is, or right question would have been, God, how long do you want me? Yeah. Maybe it was the same answer. I don't know. It was long suffering. <laughs> there were many days that I wanted to resign, and I said, I will not resign until God moves me. I will not resign a person, I will resign for a calling. What is the wisdom of this world? You can't work for a guy like that. You can't work for a system like that. They don't appreciate you. Look for something else. Who says? No, I love this Christian company. Better work for them. Didn't God say go into all the world and preach the gospel? If you're a mature Christian, you'll hear what God says. And it might be, go where there's no other Christians in your business. Let your light so shine before men. I said it's going to be a bit challenging this morning. That's why you need us. That's why we need each other. This is our comfort zone. This is our 
This is our nurturing and prepping and drying your tears and sorry and the world is tough. Come, let go to life group. Let us nurture you. Let us let us polish you up and, and bind your wounds. I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm like, this is what family is for. Whose shoulder are you crying on? But then let's go back into the world. Because the battlefield is not in here. The battlefield is out there. But you need to come to the oasis. You need to come and be refreshed. You need to come and be cleaned up, stirred up. To be ready to go again. Even Jesus and his disciples went away to, to rest. But you see, you don't need the church in your business. You be the church in your business. And come like we did this morning and share your testimonies. It's amazing. We were all standing so amazed. So like We shouldn't be amazed, but it's so great. Like People are doing ministry. They're doing ministry. People run for, go for a jog and they do ministry. They pray. They get words for people. They see that person again. And they give them that word. People reach out in, in business at family lunches. Why? That's overflow. That's where we do the works of the ministry. That's where we be Christ to a hurting world. That's operating with the mind of Christ. It's not how do I get to the pulpit. No, it's how do I be Jesus on the street. That's the kingdom. That's how we change the world. Maybe you say it's easy for you to talk. Sunday is not my highlight of my week anymore. It used to be. It's, it's a good, I, I love to be here, don't get me wrong. But there's so much more ministry happening. It's great to see you all, but it's better if you bring testimonies. Because then I know what we do here matters. What we do in this life echoes in eternity. We need to be of our Father's business. And yes, even in your business. And it's all about perspective. The other testimony this morning, this lady stood up and she said, I've been wanting to get out of my business for months now. And last week Sunday, God just said, just look at it different. Your business is an enabler for ministry. And she said, the weight is off and now she's, she's running the race. She didn't resign. But she now lives with purpose. And we can all do that. We don't have... You know what's very interesting? This, this challenges me. But this challenges you hopefully as well. Paul never writes to a slave and say, get free. He says, masters be good masters, slaves be good slaves. Ephesians 5. What's your definition of success? Then he's speaking about worldly stuff now. With God we sons, but we can be as slaves. We can serve Him. But it's willingly. It's not out of him telling us to do it. That's religion. But he never says to a slave, become free. Do everything you can just to be free. Never. But somehow we have an internal measure of success that says freedom is, is godliness. No, true freedom is on the inside. True freedom is on the inside. True freedom is when you lay your head at night and you know that this was a purposeful day. You know, you can prove that you're truly wise when you live this life. Verse 15. Who's ever thought of wisdom as demonic? This wisdom does not descend from above. This what? This wisdom. But it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. One of the other translations says devilish. Now I looked it up and it doesn't mean, again, it's the devil who's involved. It means when you operate in this wisdom, this earthly wisdom, this earthly, sensual, success, knowledge of good and evil, intelligence, pursuing after worldliness, you are acting like a demon. That's what it says. And you know why? Because why is a demon a demon? And why is Satan no longer Lucifer? Because he wanted to be God. He wanted to be 
the center of attention. And that's really when we operate in the world system, we are making ourselves gods and the center of attention. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 3. That was what Eve did. And by the way, Adam was right there with her. So I'm not saying you're a demon. Sometimes I have to say these things because I hear what people think I said. I didn't say that. Okay? I'm just saying watch out. Because as the, as, as the snake beguiled Eve, the word says, and I think it's 2 Corinthians, so do not let yourself be deceived and moved away from the simplicity that is Christ. Yeah, but people need money and people need to know how to do business and people need to... Watch out. But last, like, like last week, I won't leave you on a downer. Okay. No Jesus, no wisdom. Let's go into K-N-O-W Jesus. K-N-O-W Jesus. It says, the earthly wisdom, it's, it's worldly, it's physical, it's moral. Even good morals can be stupid. Sensual. That means unspiritual or natural and demon-like. But, woo, I love the buts in the Bible. Amen. You, you have this downer and then there's a but. It's like, okay, there's good news. Amen. You came for good news. But the wisdom that is from above. So there's earthly wisdom from below. There's heavenly wisdom from above. It is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy. Easy is, 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 is willing to yield. So if you leave here today and you're very upset with me, it means you're not teachable. This was a compliment, by the way. Someone said to me the other day, I listened to your message. He wasn't able to, to be in church. And I wondered, is he done mal? Yeah. I was like, okay, where's this going? He said, but then I went and I studied it out for myself. Yes. That's what you should do. It's not Peter said. Peter says how he sees it currently. And you can go and study it out and see how you see it for yourself. Because my job is to equip you to study the word. Okay? And he said, well, you do no malni. I see what you see. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> but it is, it is teachable. It is willing to yield, to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Verse 18, And it always bears the beautiful harvest of righteousness, good deeds of wisdom, fruit planted with peaceful acts by those who cherish making peace. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. New Living Translation, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my children. Sorry, that's a different, one, different reference. Now what is this wisdom from above? It is love. It is the God kind of love. It is, why do we have access to salvation? For God to love the world. So God in His infinite wisdom is what? Still good and He's still love. So His wisdom has to align with goodness and love. He's the Father of lights. He's the Father of, of love. And to know, Ephesians 3.19, to know is knowledge, but this is a different knowing. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. So you can operate with the wisdom of this world, which is knowledge and intellect, or I'm offering you the opportunity, I'm exposing to you the opportunity to operate with something that's passing that, that's further along, that's bigger, that is better. But it doesn't speak to the natural man the way that the knowledge, the intellect, and the wisdom of this world does. Because why? It's natural, it's sensual, and it's, I want to be God. It's prideful, actually. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. You see, the word is amazing. It says that it divides between the spirit and the soul. It divides between bone and marrow. And what I'm really hoping to do today is that I've used the word to challenge your um, motivation, your heart, for the decisions that you either made or are making. Because you can make a good decision 
for the wrong reason. And it might not work out. Or you can make a God decision with God as your reason. And you know you'll operate in faith. Because why? Faith works by love. So I'm saying again, God is loving you so much that He made this guy stand up and expound to you the two kinds of wisdom so that you have no more excuse but every opportunity to eat of the tree of life and actually live forever. And hopefully it's going to distill down into your decision making in this world. But again, don't do it by yourself. We've got life groups. We've got leaders. We want to, we want to help you and guide you. Proverbs says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Now, sometimes people want counsel until someone tells them what they want to hear. That's not what the verse says. I'm going to pray for me. Oh, you don't, you're not going to give what I want. Pray for me. No, you're not going to give me what I want. So you keep on until you find someone. That's not what it says. Every person that said no, it's part of the counsel. So we need to listen. The love that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Colossians 1.27, I think we started there, says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We love that verse. Let's read on. 28 says, Him we preach. Okay. If you come to our business leaders meeting, guess what you're going to hear? You're going to hear about Jesus. Amen? And I'm going to tell you how to reach your world for Jesus. Every man and teaching every man. Warning and teaching. In what? All wisdom. You see that? That word pops up again. Why? So that all wisdom is the perfect wisdom. It's the fullness of wisdom. It's the God kind of wisdom. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That is our purpose. That is our mission. That's, therein lies our fulfillment. And that's what God does with us. Verse 29. To this end, I labor, striving according to His working which works in me mightily. To this end. What end? See people saved. To operate in God's kind of wisdom. To bring them salvation. The message of Christ. Christ, the power of God. The wisdom of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you Lord for Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity just to be enlightened this morning. And to live just from purpose and passion and, and, and according to your plan, the opportunity, the invitation to live according to your plan. And right now, Father, I just pray for all of us, if there's a, a course correction to be made, that it's going to be so joyous. It's going to bring so much life and love. Even though it's not going to make sense necessarily. You see, making sense is, is of the senses. It's not of faith. Is anyone here that you, you feel like you just want to make a course correction, even if it's just the perception of what you're busy with, or what you're pursuing, or redefining success for yourself? I want you to give you the opportunity just to, to humble yourself and to stand up. Just to stand up where you are so that we can pray for you. Because I know for most of us there's, there's more. And that's really God's heart. There's more. There's more for you, my son. There's more for you, my daughter. More than this world can give. Not according to this world, but greater. According to my peace I give to you, not as this world. My wisdom, not as this world. My salvation, not as this world. 
And the thing is, most, most great testimonies include a step of faith. And you ask the person, how could you do that? And they were so certain that that is what God said. So if you're standing here, I'm going to pray that you hear God's voice. That's what I'm going to pray. Because God is eternally wise. God is love. God is your good father. And God only has good things for you. And I just feel my heart as, as a pastor of this church, how it yearns and how it aches to just see you, all of you like just live in the fullness of the kingdom of God that's in you. I mean, God magnifies that by a million. So right now, Father, I just pray that your sons and your daughters hear your voice. They hear your voice. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.